Grace family, thank you so much for joining us on Sunday, in person and online. It was great to see you all. This is James Whitla, your technical guru for all your Sunday services. We did have a mishap with our recording and about eight minutes of Brad's sermon was not recorded via audio. After you hear the sermon text, the recording will start when Brad is recorded. We apologize for the inconvenience and we thank you for your patience as we work through the technical glitches and get accustomed to our new tech system. See you next Sunday. And again, thank you. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. So Christ gave himself, sorry, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. So everybody's called into that, but there's something special about this category Paul's talking about with evangelists. You look at the book of Acts, you learn about Philip, And he had this special calling to see people transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light to be brought in. That's true. You may be thinking of people like Billy Graham or uh, maybe even Tim Keller. You know, his writings have gone out into all the world in many, many different languages. And I've met people who are like, you know, I... I, I think I was a Christian, but it wasn't until I really started reading this stuff that I began to think about what does it mean for Jesus to really love me. There's something special, there's something unique about certain people who are called to be a mouthpiece um, through evangelism, through sharing the gospel in a special way. That's true. We're all called to participate in it, but it's a tool, it's something, equipment here that we've been given in the church that builds the church. You know, somebody told you about the gospel. Who was that? Who brought the good message to you? For me, it was lots of people. I was raised in the church. But there were different moments, and I still have memories of different people in my life who have told me about something special about God's love for me, how the gospel applies. Well, there's a special gifting for that. So there's apostles and prophets, evangelists. And then Paul says pastors and teachers, and likely the way this is translated, it's probably more like pastor-teachers, like pastor-teachers. And their role is to nourish the faith of God's people and to be part of equipping them for service. So that's why every single week, Kyle or I get up here and preach from the Scriptures because this is the starting point, the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. It's such a pleasure. It's it's a privilege. It's an honor to be your pastor. Um, I'm grateful for that. But it's also, this is God's design to have pastors who are saying, let's look at the Scriptures. Let's, Let's make it possible to have a pastor in our community who spends his time studying the scriptures to teach us. I don't actually have three or four other side jobs. Like actually the generosity of this church enables Kyle and I to live here as missionaries and devote our, to devote ourselves to the teaching of the apostles and the prophets to be about walking with you through life because we're meant for that. Part of God's intentions to equip you in this life is that you would have pastors who teach the word and preach the word and who encourage you in that way. Okay, to what end? Verse 12, 
to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so these things that he's just mentioned, they're, they're here for the purpose of equipping us. And so we are an equipped people. You know, we have the Scriptures, we have the power of God's Spirit working in and among us, and as we lean into the teaching of the apostles and the prophets, something begins to happen. The kingdom of God begins to materialize. It begins to appear in our midst. As we treat one another with love, as we worship God together, we are accessing the beginning of what it looks like to see God's people shaped by who He is, the kingdom of God becoming visible. And God wants to take that and use it for his purposes. To go back again to the wood shop for a moment. If my buddy had just thrown his tools up on the shelf and thrown the wood on there and said, okay, now go. That's not how it works. It has to be empowered. And so it's not enough for us just to have the scriptures. It's not enough for us just to know that these things are true. Actually, God's calling us to engage in calling upon the Spirit, taking his word in personally, praying to him to give us direction. And as we do that, he more and more equips us. He makes us one, unity in the faith, knowledge in the Son of God, becoming mature, attaining to the whole, the fullness, uh, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Um, Paul says in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, that he's a prisoner for the Lord, and he urges us to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. How do we have the equipment to live a life worthy of the calling we've received? He goes on and says, this is what it looks like. Be completely humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love. Do you have the power to be completely patient, completely humble, to be completely gentle, to bear with one another in love? No. Like the point here is that we're going to need this grace from God. We're going to need these teachings. We're going to need God's presence to be able to enable us to live into this humility and this gentleness and this patience and being um, bearing with one another in our weakness. You know, as I thought about this, you know, thinking about who we are as a church, you know, Paul mentions these things. and He doesn't mention them because, hey, these are pretty easy to pursue. I'm just going to throw them out there for you. I want you to be patient with each other. Like, I think he's saying it because we're going to need to have patience with each other. He says, hey, you're going to have to bear with one another in love. I don't think he's saying, hey, just post, put this on a note, put a pen in it. You're going to have to bear with each other. Like, how many people in your life do you feel like you have to bear with, right? And he's saying, this is actually the fruits of the kingdom. This is the fruit of what it means to know me. This is the fruit of being equipped by me, which kind of leads us to this second idea that Christ has promised to shape us. So Christ has, Christ has promised to equip us but he's also promised to shape us. Now, I don't know, you know, I, no one's ever accused me of being a master sculptor. If you ever give me clay or Play-Doh, it'll be clear in my mind. It's not going to look right at the end. But there are people who have a really amazing skill set to take something like wood or like stone, and they can craft it, and they can chisel it, and they can shape it. And when they're done, it, it's almost lifelike. Like it represents whatever they're trying to shape so well, and it just boggles the mind for those who of us who are not artists like that. In much the same way, we need to remember that Jesus is actually the master sculptor of hearts. And this is what he's wanting to do in our midst. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature and attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
unity in the faith. It's actually God's will that as we seek to live a life worthy of following him, to lean into patience and humility and gentleness and bearing with each other, that as we do that and trusting in him, he's going to do something for us. He's going to make us unified. It's going to be costly. It cost him his life to give us access to that kind of grace. And he's inviting us into this vision of his people that has a unity in their faith. We read also in verse 13 that we're going to grow in our knowledge of the Son of God. You know, as we read the scriptures, the Holy Spirit takes those things and applies them to your heart and massages it into your soul. And you begin to know God more clearly. You know, if you're new to the faith, this is probably pretty confusing a lot of this stuff. Here's the good news. Jesus is going to shape your heart. He's going to unify you with his people. He's going to teach you more about who his son is. Verse 13, Paul also talks about becoming mature. I love this. I love the fact that God is saying, look, everyone's in process and that is progress. You're going to mature in the faith, but it's going to come through patience and it's going to come through humility. It's going to come through bearing with each other. It's going to come through being gentle because you're going to seek to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Remember the one who's ascended on high and has descended to the earthly realms. He's your king and he loves you. He has grace apportioned specifically for you. And you're going to be shaped. And you're going to mature. And where's that going to lead us? Like mature to what? Verse 13, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness in Christ. And we talked about this last week. We're called Christians for a reason. Little Christ's. God is actually working in us, making us more and more like Jesus. Now, your failures may tell you otherwise. Your sins may have a narrative for you that says, actually, no, it's not so. Believe God's word in those moments. These, this is God's promise to you. He's going to mature you. He's going to be gracious to you. He's going to unite you in the faith. He's going to increase your knowledge of him. He is committed to enabling you to attain to the whole measure of the fullness that is in Christ. That's our future. Now, physically, we sort of understand this because as you get older, you realize the gears are getting tired, right? The muscles don't work as well. The shoulders start hurting. I've been working out with one of my boys and he's lifting more weight than me and I'm trying to keep up and my shoulder hurts. Like, So the idea that one day Jesus is going to come back and give me a completely new body and a new physical strength, I'm like, okay, I get that. But do you understand that spiritually? God is more and more working in you. He's going to mature you. You're in process, and that is progress. He's shaping you. In other words, what we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 is true. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What this means for us is that His grace is more powerful than your hard heart. Whatever shape it might be right now, He's going to shape it. It's more powerful than your hard heart. His grace is more powerful than your anxiety or your fears. His grace is more powerful than your confusion. His grace is more powerful than your sins, and this is really good news. His grace is more powerful than those who have sinned against you. You know, again, just to kind of live back into what He's telling us it looks like to live a life worthy of the calling we've received. We are going to have to be humble with each other and patient with each other and bear with one another. If that's not happening, we're just not being honest with each other. These are the tools. 
This is what equips us. This is what's going to shape us. And we're all part of the game. Now, I don't know how many of you care about college football. We're in Texas. There's probably a fair percentage of us in this room who care about football. Um, and college football is approaching. And when college football season starts and the team descends on the field, every player has the same uniform on, right? They got the right helmets. You know, no one runs out there with a leather helmet on anymore. Like we've got nice helmets on the right pads, the right shoes, the coaches descend, the trainers descend. Everybody who's part of that team descends onto that field. And some have different positions. Some are throwing the ball, some are catching the ball. Some are pushing through the defensive line, some are pushing through the O-line. Some are hanging out in the back waiting to clobber somebody who runs around the corner with a ball. Some are on the ends and some are trying to sneak around, but they're all playing the game. And you know the people who aren't playing the game? The self-designated coaches in the stands, Right? The fans in the stands who have better eyes than the referees, and so it's really clear to them what happened there, even though the refs are making those calls. You know, in the church, we're all on the field. We're all playing the game. There are no spectators in the church. You have been equipped to serve. You are being shaped by Christ to be part of His um, expression of His kingdom in your community. The spectators are not bad. The spectators are people who maybe don't have faith in who Jesus is. This might be people in your family. It might be people in your community. It might be people in your school. People you work with. Anybody who is not necessarily part of the church, they're spectators. And what we want them to see when they see the church is that we are following our king. We're working out patience. We're working out humility. We're working out bearing with one another. We're people who believe that every single person is in process that all of us have maturity to still develop and that there's a common promise for every single person who puts their trust in Jesus to have the love of God in fullness, the whole measure of the fullness in Christ to attain to that. So how does God then engage us in this mission? He's equipped us. He's shaping us. How does he engage us? Let me read verses 14 through 16 again. Then... We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. How do we engage with the mission? How do we engage in the calling that God has given us as those who have been equipped and who are promised to be shaped? What does it look like for us to engage? Well, one is we're grounded in the Word of God. We're not tossed to and fro by different opinions and thoughts. Uh, you know, the newest, coolest book that comes out, whoever writes it, it's not our grounding force. What's, where do we ground ourselves? The teaching of the apostles and the prophets. We look to the transformation that comes through evangelists. We we are part of churches where they're faithful pastors and teachers who are teaching the scriptures. We're doing that. And in doing that, we are being grounded in the word of God first. What's another thing? Paul talks here and says, you know, we'll no longer be tossed around by the waves. It's really difficult. You know, I'm, I'm 46 now. And, and there are times where I'm absolutely convinced I'm right about something. And I discover very shortly I'm 100% wrong. I am so glad that the world is not dependent on my assessment of reality. It's not. It's based on who God is. 
So how can we stay in sync with it? Humbly, patiently, bearing with each other, gentleness, living into His, His Word and His truth. Paul says, instead, speaking the truth in love will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of Him. Now, here we go. Speaking the truth in love. Some of you hear that and think, sweet. I can just slice and dice because I'm doing it in the truth. No. Speak the truth in love. What does it mean to speak the truth in love? Well, what it doesn't mean is what we read in verse 14. You know, being infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching or cunning or craftiness of people and deceitful schemes. It's not that. But what does it mean for us to speak the truth in love? I would submit to you to think about it this way. If the desire of speaking truth in love is that we would grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. In other words, if speaking the truth, if the entire goal is to help us grow, then how ought we speak the truth to one another? You know, Titus chapter 2 says, for the, grace, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life. What is the key to speaking the truth in love? What's the key to growth? If, if the goal of speaking the truth is that we would grow in every respect to become mature, what's the key? Grace. You know, it's one thing when you catch someone and they're 100% wrong and you say, you're wrong, you're caught. Now deal with it. Let me watch you squirm, right? That is not how God approaches us. God says, you've acknowledged you're wrong, you're 100% wrong. Let me show you the way out. Let me show you the way to be reconciled. Let me show you the way toward peace. Let me show you how to get out of this because I don't want you living there either. I don't want you in that place of guilt. I have more for you. Speak the truth in love, meaning show the way out. Show the way towards grace. Show the way towards life. Show the way towards being part of a body that's equipped and being shaped by the king of the universe to be part of his mission to further express his love in the world. So we're grounded in the word. We speak the truth in love. And as we do that, we grow to become a beautiful and accurate description of who it is Jesus is calling us to be. Listen to verse 16. From Him the whole body, that's everybody, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You know, God's intention is for all of us to be part of this and for all of us to grow and for all of us to be encouraged. And so that might, you know, that's going to look differently in different places. You know, think about speaking the truth in love. It might mean speaking the truth in such a way that you're, confronting, but you're providing grace. Or what does it mean to be patient? It doesn't mean enabling. It means being as gracious to someone as God has been to you for the sake of what? For the next, so that they can experience something else. It might simply be this, that you have to bear with each other. And you know, that, that feels kind of like long-term to me when Paul says that. Like, there's not an immediate solution. We're going to have to bear with each other, and we're going to do it out of love. We're going to love each other. We're going to tolerate each other. We're going to figure out how to care for each other. We're going to have to bear with each other in love. And God's kingdom gives us grace to do that because our king, who is great, humbled himself for us so that we could have life. Let me leave you with this. This calling that, that Jesus gives us through the Scriptures to be the church is impossible for us to attain on our own. I am not the master strategist who has all this figured out. 
What I'm telling you is the word of God is saying is if we will live into these things, then we'll begin to see what Jesus wants to see at Grace Presbyterian Church bubble up. And that, that's what I want to see. I want to see what he's interested in raising up. But where are we going to get the power to live into that? Well, it's, it's going to be grace. And I want to read to you just the last part. Have you ever read St. Patrick's prayer? You know, church history, it's tough to really tie down if this was really his prayer. But we think it was. It dates back pretty far. But listen to how he prays. It was said that he would say this every morning. I'm just going to read the last third. If you want to read all of it, you can Google it. It's really great. He says this, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lay down, Christ when I sit down, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in the eye that sees me, Christ in the ear that hears me. I arise today through the mighty strength of the Lord of creation. That is what God's calling you to do. To start with that, to start with Christ and to say, I'm going to live in light of the power and the grace and the mercy he has shown me. Because in doing that, I'm moving towards his kingdom, which is a good place, a place of rest for us. All right, let me pray for us as we celebrate the supper together. Jesus, we give you thanks for your word. We thank you that you have a plan for your church, that you've equipped us by the teaching of the apostles and the prophets, that you're calling us to be people who live a life worthy of the calling we've received, and that you tell us you have given us grace, a portion specifically for us to enable us to live into that. Would you enable us to be a people who are equipped and who seek to serve as you have served us, that we might participate in your mission for the sake of your kingdom, that we might see you more clearly. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.